You're listening to the Mind Your Own Dog Business Podcast. I'm your host, leading expert in dog business strategist, Kristen Lee. Guys, get ready for your journey, your journey to cutting edge marketing and sales, creating a standout kick-ass dog business brand, along with mastering your mindset that's going to smash all of these glass ceilings that have been holding you back and catapult your dog business to the next level with actionable steps you can take right away. We're going to empower you. We're going to grow you as you step into your authentic self, not only as a dog trainer, dog walker, or whatever slice of the pet industry you find yourself in, but as that badass entrepreneur. My mission is to disrupt the current norm, cut through the noise, cut through the bullshit, and empower the incredible women of the dog business industry to step into the spotlight, reclaim control, and transform not only their businesses, but their lives. It's real. It's raw, it's uncensored, and it's what this dog business industry needs. Let's do this, guys. Hello, dog business peeps, and welcome to episode two of the Mind Your Own Dog Business podcast. What, what? Now, this is one of those podcasts where I'm super uncomfortable to do, and my shyness is actually kind of poking through my little introvertedness, because if you didn't know about me, I'm actually incredibly shy, despite my massive tattoos, despite my jersey as fuck mouth, but... I don't like to talk about myself because I get super, super uncomfortable when the spotlight gets thrown back onto me. Because the thing is, when I deliver content for my audience, for my people, the focus is always going to be on you guys. Of course, I will throw some anecdotal stories about what's worked for me, what's worked for my clients, and some of the results that I'd like to share and to really drive home. But the thing is, This is not the Kristen Lee show. It's not all about me. And yeah, I mean, I'll throw in some, you know, I'll I'll fluff my feathers and walk around. And I do call myself a leading dog business expert because I am and I'm going to own that and step into that spotlight. But when it comes to this type of content, I always want to make it about you guys. I always want to make it about my audience. I always want to give you guys actionable steps that you can go out and do like as soon as you stop listening to this. And for this episode, why it's making me a little bit uncomfortable is because I'm taking the spotlight off of my peeps. Like, I love you guys. I want you guys to start owning who the fuck you are. Start stepping into your spotlight as amazing dog business entrepreneurial women. And I want you to start claiming what is yours, what is rightfully yours at a soul level, at a business level, at a life-changing level. So anyway, okay, I went on a rant. But This one's going to be about me. A lot of people don't know who I am. They might be thinking, who is this Kristen Lee chick? They might have heard some stuff. They might have heard some rumors. Um, They might have been thinking, oh, God, just another one of those diamondizing, quote, unquote, dog business coaches, which I am. I am a dog business coach. I focus more on strategy versus I don't like to use the word coaching too, too much. But I, I call myself, I label myself as a dog business strategist because strategy is my motherfucking jam. Um, but to tell you the truth, guys, I didn't pop up overnight. I actually have 
a pretty large client list um, of some of the most top performing dog businesses in Canada, um, United States, but mostly the United States. And I just love my people. So I figured it's this would be a good time to kind of spotlight what I do, who I am, my backstory, how I got here, a little bit more about me, a little bit about how I work with people, how I could work with you if you're interested, and what I do as a leading dog business strategist. Now, you're probably like, oh my God, she's t- calling herself a leading dog business strategist. Who the fuck does she think she is, right? Because that voice you're talking in is the inner critic voice we all have. Boom. I struggle with that shit too. So here's the thing. I might not have a massive, large following. Why? Because I work really, 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 really closely with the majority of my clients. And the type of work that I do, and it's going to be shifting going into 2020. There's going to be other ways to work with me because there's just been such a demand lately. But the work that I do with my high-level clients is massively, massively fucking life-changing. I mean, I'm talking about the single mom that has gone from working in a vet tech, you know, doing dog training as a hobby and, you know, having the facility has always just been her hope, her, her hopes and her goals and her quote unquote dreams to making, you know, 30, 40, 50 K a month and buying that BMW truck and having that facility she built. Right. So the work that I do goes really, really fucking deep. Now, that being said, I am not a life coach. I do not do life coaching. But the services that I do are life-altering. But the thing, too, is with that is just because working with any dog business coach, it doesn't matter if it's me, if it's somebody else, or if it's one of the other ones that are out there, we all have to sit back and let let our clients know it's up to them to do the work. And the way where I've gotten right now in my life with my coaching business, with my – I actually own a dog training business, too. I'm the CEO of a dog training business. My husband – um, is the managing partner and he's the one who actually works and we have empl- we have an employee now. But the reason why I've gotten and experiencing the success I have at a relatively young age is because I was given all the tools and strategies in place like I give to my clients and I've done the work, right? I've gotten uncomfortable. I've really started claiming what is mine. I started squashing the inner demon voice that always kept me small. And that's why I love fucking working with people because there's this thing where all these amazing dogs, and I used to work primarily with dog walkers. Um, I'm moving more towards working with dog walkers that are going into dog training because I partner with somebody and my husband actually helps too because we build the skills. But thing is, there's so many dog walkers out there and there's so many dog trainers out there that are keeping themselves so fucking small and they're damming up all the fucking experience because they're worrying about judgment. They're worrying about their own inner judgment. They're worrying about the trainer they may be mentored under or whatever. And they're keeping themselves fucking small. And that shit just gets under my fucking nerves, guys, so much because I have to tell you, stop playing small, I mean, there's so much out there for you, and the world is at your fucking fingertips. Wow, I went on a freaking personal motivational rant right now. I don't sell accountability either. <laughs> That's one thing. I can't be in a motivational speaker because that shit's tiring. <laughs> um, but I want to just share my experiences, kind of give you where I came from, and kind of the accumulation of events that led me to where I'm at right now. Okay, so I guess I'll start as I was a kid. So. 
I am from New Jersey, of course. I talk about that a lot. I come from a blue, you know, blue class, blue middle class family. My dad worked a government job. My mom was stay at home mom. My mom, my mom and my dad are both immigrants. My dad is old school, off the bolt. Uh, Polish. My dad's a little bit older. He came over here in the States in 1939 when he was a baby. And my mom came to the States from British Guiana, but she was born in Port- and, um, not Portugal, in uh, Brazil when she was uh, a baby and she came over in the 50s. So I had the classical suburban New Jersey upbringing. You know, it's like you go to school, you get good grades and you go to college and then you get a job in the city as a lawyer or whatever fancy job you want to be. And the thing was with me, I'm the youngest of youngest of five kids. I was also adopted too. It's something I don't really talk a lot about because, you know, it's my own story, but I'm starting to own it. But I was different when I was a little kid. And my parents always said I had the gift to gab. Even when I was like a one-year-old, I was always fucking talking. Guys, again, I am super fucking shy, which is amazing. Um, But I was always seeking a platform. I was always liking to be the center of attention. And as a kid, one of the things I used to love to do, and this is something I got into, is, and this is why I use a lot of horse uh, metaphors in here, is I used to ride horses. I used to have a pony. Yes, I, I was a little girl from New Jersey, had a pony. Wah, wah. You know, I recognize my privilege and all that stuff. But I didn't grow from a wealthy family. You know, we were we were comfortable. You know, my mom didn't have to work. My dad worked his ass off for five kids. And it was like I had this pony named, I think the horse's name, the pony was named was Stormy or Thunder or something. Like, I cannot remember. It's been so long ago. It was a little white pony with a gray mane. And I was so proud. I did all the chores to get this pony. And I was like, I want to start riding in horse shows. And my parents were like, hell no, you got to get a job. You have to work hard. We've worked hard the moment we got here. So I was always, I was always bred into me. And it was always drilled into me that you have to work hard to earn what you get. And you're five years old. Like, what the fuck do you do when you're five years old? So when I was, when I was like around five or six, I actually started giving riding lessons to adults on my fucking pony. Like, what? <laughs> and that's how I started earning money for, like, uh, fancy horseback riding outfits or, you know, a new helmet or entering shows or paying for somebody to come and do my pony's tail and all that fun stuff. So I started doing that. That's how I made money as a kid. When I was, like, around seven or eight, I actually I actually started teaching um, Girl Scout groups, like I am an old Girl Scout. I was a brownie for a long time or whatever they call it. I think it was a brownie. And one of the things I used to teach was like the horse badge. And I used to teach summer camps. And again, I was under the age of 12, a 10 at this time. And I was teaching these things. So I always had this unique, uncanny ability to do sales, <laughs> to really, really be an entrepreneur, a small business owner. I always had my hand in the pot no matter what. I was always multiply doing different things. You know, I had the lemonade stand, the typical American, you know, lemonade stand and all that stuff. Then I started like turning into a teenager. Like, right. I was a preteen. I was a preteen. I was 12. And I'm like, all right, I wanted to go do stuff in the things. This is like when I was like, okay, I want to go to the mall. I want to get money. I want to earn money. And I didn't want to work at like a fast food place or anything like that. I know you can't work when you're 12, but I always had some type of job. So my 
my then horse trainer named God was Brian or Dan or something like that. I rode in the stable in uh, Flemington, New Jersey. He's like, "Hey, we're going to go to the horse auction. You want to come?" I'm like, "Okay." And I had like a five hundred dollars in my pocket, which is a lot of money when you're like twelve years old. Don't get me wrong. And we went to this horse auction. It is one of those horse auctions. If you're not really familiar with it, it's it's kind of a sad thing because they have a lot of horses that you know their owners have died or they can't take care of them anymore. Or there's a lot of horses off um, off the track, thoroughbreds, uh, standard breds, racing old racing horses, and usually people buy them for really cheap, turn them into school horses, meaning lesson riding horses, or they send them to slaughter shitty situation but sometimes there's some really good golden horses in there that people don't know anyway so i was i went there and i saw that fucking horse it was a chestnut fucking gelding named calypso (laughs) big way blaze massive massive mess of a horse guys i wasn't into dogs or anything i had a pet dog i had a cat but horses were my jam and for 200 dollars, i bought this fucking horse and this horse taught me more about myself, my life, than anything. And I worked with this horse for about, God, I think I want to say till I was like 14. It was like two and a half years. And this horse went from fucking not even wanting to go in a trailer to biting people. Like this horse was nasty. It's like serious behavioral issues with the horse to this beautiful, 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 beautiful hunter jumper schoolmaster. I mean, he was the horse that you could take your husband on and he would not do anything and I sold him so that's how I started that's how I started flipping horses as a teenager and then you know typical bullshit went to college met my husband and then I started a corporate career so I went from this little kid and jodhpurs and horse in like these little horse thingies to a corporate career right out of college I started at a um a Fortune 50. You might think of Fortune 500. Fortune 500s are the top 500 companies. A Fortune 50. Um, I hope I'm not mansplaining to you, but a Fortune 50 is a company that's within the top 50 companies in the global size, in revenue, and all that stuff in the in the world. So I started. I got an internship working for a Fortune 50 company, a large, large one. I think it's like 38 on the list now. And I excelled. Like I was an intern and then I got offered a job right before graduation. And I spent the majority of my corporate career there doing business strategy, which was insane because I always thought I was going to do something different. I thought I was going to go into graphic design. I thought I was going to go into law, which I always say I'm not a lawyer, but my mom wants me to be one. Like I always thought I was going to do something bigger. And this, this, this job opportunity at the time was just like, okay, cool. I mean, I'm right out of college. I, fortunately I didn't have a student loan debt because, you know, I, I had scholarships and stuff like that, but I had this position. It was good money for being 20 years old and I really fucking excelled. It was really, it's an interesting, interesting dynamic. Um, that's why I really, really loved to work with people that are coming out of a corporate career but it was an interesting dynamic. I went from, you know, like an intern to legit sitting at the fucking board of directors meetings at 21 years old and thinking to myself, how the fuck did I get here? 
because I was just like in astonishment. But the thing was, I was so fucking fascinated by consumer behavior. I was so fascinated by strategy and how to actually refine it and take a process that you have and pass it down to somebody else and then watch them like mess with it a little bit and then take that back, refine it and give it back up to a CEO. So I basically was a chief of staff, chief operating officer kind of in command um, for many years. I worked for different organizations. I worked for four different organizations from the age of 20 to and organizations, meaning different companies um, from the age of 20 to 33 when I officially quote unquote retired. And it was just, it was just an amazing time. And I love to bring all of that knowledge. I love to bring all that strategy. I love to bring all that lessons I learned working with. I mean, guys, I've been, if you've seen some of the top business executives on CNN or Larry King or something like that, I can pretty much guarantee that I was there. I probably wrote the script for the dude. And I love to take these lessons because I was very fortunate in my corporate careers that these guys, these men, you know, the, the, the suits were able to mentor me as a young kid, right? I always used to, you know, one of the things I remember, I'm kind of going off on a a little wormhole here and I was banging the desk because that's how I am. I talk with my hands. Um, I remember my second to last corporate job and I left one of the companies and I had this really, really, really amazing offer to work with the, um, the president of a very, very large, very prestigious, very high-end luxury real estate brand. And I went in for this interview and he's such a, I'm actually still friends with him and he still kind of mentors me now and then. I walked in and we were just talking and he's like, okay, so what plans do you have for me? And I went through the list because I'm always like, I'm an organization, I'm organized, I'm like ready to go. I'm like, wow, I'm in my suit. I'm in my Christian Louis Vuittons. By the way, I love Christian Louis Vuittons. And, you know, I just like that. I went on and I went on and I went on. And then I started talking about, you know, I did have a dog business too. And because I've in the years, guys, this is I'll get to that story in a second because you're probably like, what the fuck? Who, you know, I'm done listening. I want to hear more about dog stuff. That's cool. And I was like, yeah, you know, I also have, you know, I also operate a dog trading business. At the time, it was multiple, multiple, multiple six figures, almost into the seven, where I wasn't even working in it. My husband was operating it. We had employees in New Jersey. We sold it. We sold it right before we moved. And he looked at me. He goes, God, you're going to take over the world one day. But he's like, you're going to be sneaky about it. (laughs) And ever since then, I've been like, oh, shit, like whatever. Um, But yeah, so in the time, you know, the thing is, too, guys, as I was in my corporate jobs, too, I was working, God, like 14 hour days, most days. And the thing was, I still had a dog training business under me. It started when I got my first dog and she's still alive. Thank God. I got my first heart dog. Her name's Bella. She's a chocolate, a chocolate lab, chocolate Labrador. And I, my husband and I got her. He was my boyfriend at the time. And she was like a really crazy active Labrador. She was my first like pet dog. And she was a dog you get like when people are together and they don't want to have kids, but they want to get a dog first. And this dog was like crazy, 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 crazy energy, crazy smart. So I put her in a really good dog daycare in New Jersey. And I was like, okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to keep her in dog daycare. She's going to have fun. I put her in for five days a week because I was in the city. My husband was in school too. And he recognized one day because he used to pick her up because I used to get her to work late. I worked in New York City. And he's like, you know, 
I don't feel like this dog's getting what she needs there. And we started really, you know, talking about it. And he was at this crossroads too. My husband's name's Frank. He was at this crossroads too of like, he was in school for something he hated. Like he was in school for like six years. He was getting his master's. Um, He was actually thinking about a job in law enforcement too at the time. And he's like, you know, he's like, we need to do something for her. I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to quit everything and you're going to fucking walk my dog. I'm like, yeah, I could pay you for that. And it kind of snowballed into this effect of having a dog walking company. So what we ended up doing, I was like, all right, cool. If you really want to do this, and this wasn't a decision we took lightly because it could have affected a lot of moving pieces in our own life. It was like, okay, cool. Listen, I'm crazy busy at work. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I am, you know, I am above the majority of my, my own friends at this point. I feel isolated and fuck, but yeah, sure. I'll, you know, being an overachiever, I'll help you grow a business. Um, so we started our first business in 20, uh, 2006 and it was just because of this damn dog bill. <laughs> and I used a lot of the marketing strategies I've learned. I used a lot of communication and a lot of the growth and operational growth models um, that I was exposed to at a really young age in my corporate career. And I mean, guys, we exploded. I mean, we fucking exploded. Within the first month, we had a massive profit. And we were just like, holy crap, we need to do something about this because it was just growing exponentially. I mean, like to the point of like, I was actually working on the weekends for him as his backup because he was just too crazy. So first it was dog walking and then it turned into dog walking pet sitting. And then something happened. It was the business was so large and there was just so many things. And this is where I feel you guys like, especially pet sitters, you get to this point of your business And it's like you put and you sacrifice and you give so much up and you're never home and you're never able to have a holiday meal and your family just kind of laughs it off. And it's like deep down, you're fucking rotting inside because the majority of pet sitters I know, I don't really work with pet sitters anymore um, because I I really, really, really focus on uh, dog trainers and dog walkers, but pet sitters are welcome to follow my stuff because a lot of stuff I use is very helpful. But deep down, the shit sucked. I mean... I remember, I remember every fucking holiday, Frank working, or if I was his backup, him working. And then we started having employees and the burnout was fucking real. And then it came to a point of where he's like, listen, I'm doing so much shit right now. I know I'm not stepping into my greater purpose. And he loved to work with nasty asshole reactive dogs on his dog walks. They're like, okay, cool. So we looked back, we pulled back the reins. I'm like, all right, how can we reconfigure things? How can we make things um, a little bit more easier, make it more flowy, make it a little bit um, less hands-on for him and kind of strategically move him around? And what we did was we sold, actually, we sold our pet sitting clients out. Um, Fortunately, there was a woman in our neighborhood at the time. She was looking to start a dog, uh, a pet sitting company. And I was like, hey, you can have our client list. And we started moving into pack walking. Guys, this is back before pack walking was cool, before pack walking was like all over social media. This is like way before social media stuff. And he started walking and it was just crazy growth again. Um, He was featured in a lot of magazines, not magazines, but a lot of newspapers. He actually got the second page in the Jersey Star Ledger, which I was so proud of. But that too took a toll because when you walk so many dogs, it starts taking a toll. And he's like, okay, 
step back again. We had a couple years of growth with that, you know, really, really, really high six figures. Again, I'm still working. I'm still traveling the world with my bosses. And we had a couple employees and I was like, okay, what do we want to do next? And he's like, I want to move into dog training. And that's how everything started manifesting. And then we ended up moving to North Carolina in June of 2016. I actually had a corporate job still and they offered me something I could not refuse. And we're like, fuck it, we'll move. And this is work before it'll work again. And I got to tell you, before we even got our feet on the ground, had a house um, in North Carolina, before our house was even like uh, built, we already closed about 250K in new business alone. And I mean, we weren't even North Carolina residents again. So yeah, that's kind of the fruition of how, and that's kind of the story of how I kind of got here. Um, there's a lot more stuff I can always talk about one day. But at the time, you know, I was I was petrified of a few things when we moved here. I was petrified of my husband overworking himself and giving himself a heart attack. Um, his family, both his mom and his dad, died of stress-related diseases. And that's one of the big catalysts of why he gave up pet sitting because he actually missed his mom's funeral. But that's a whole other story. I might actually have him come on here and tell that story one day. But I was like, you know what? We're pretty damn successful I'm going to hire a business coach because all my mentors were up in New Jersey. I still had, uh, I was still in touch with them, but I needed to hire somebody that already knew what it was like and kind of move us in a different direction, restructure our programs and really make it um, pretty fucking epic. So I hired my first business coach and it scared the fuck out of me. (laughs) I remember our first conversation and it was like, it was a really, really, really high investment. It was like a $30,000 investment up front. And I was like, okay, this is really scary. But once I did that, that's when the fucking floodwaters just open. I mean, there was like a fucking dam in the life of Kristen Lee here. And by hiring my first business business coach, and she, I still have her as a coach right now and a coach today. And I'm, God, she's, she's a dear friend of mine now. But by hiring that and having somebody show me what is possible and having that unrelenting belief and taking action in the face of pure fear. Because, yeah, we had a, we had a decent business before we even moved here. I'm not saying we were struggling. But at the same time, you're building a house. I have a new job with all different demands. You know, just a lot of scary shit going on, a lot of stress. It was at that point where I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to take action. And I had such a different mindset around money then. Like, that was a lot of money. That was a lot of fucking money. But again, because I had that unrelenting self-belief and things just started shifting rapidly. So over the, you know, over the few months I started working with that person, um, she started moving me into like a business, you know, a business consulting type role. And I was very resistant to it because I'm like, you know, I I, kind of like just, you know, having one business and, you know, I don't need to put, I don't want to be greedy and I want to put too many pots in different things. And since 2016, guys, this is where I've been at. And now, you know, I am so fucking honored to work with some of the most incredible, incredible women out there and really start bringing them up. Oh yeah. And I retired from corporate too. And without a golden parachute or without a massive savings fund or anything like that. But because I had that unrelenting self-belief, I knew I had a strategy and tools in place. I could do it. But now I'm just, I step back and I'm like, oh, holy fucking shit. 
you know, we talk about, you know, coincidences. I don't believe there's coincidences, but I believe there's synchronicities. And it's just, it blows my mind. And each day, like, I fucking sit down and I'm like, I stare at a wall. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm grateful for. I work with some of the best people out there. And I mean, these people are going through some fucking shit, like some massive, massive fucking shit in their lives. Like I've had, I've had, um, I had a client, I have a client right now. And the first time I talked to her, she was shit scared. She was not ready to invest. She did not believe in herself. And that's cool. Like if you don't believe in yourself, I can't force you to, but she was just so scared and she was so stuck to her own story and her own self-limiting beliefs around what she's capable of and what a, what a dog business owner looked like. She didn't take action. And, you know, she came back a couple, a year ago to me and I got to tell you, she's fucking thriving. This chick used to have a daycare in her house and she would not be, she was not able to leave it. Like she wouldn't leave her house for months on end. Her kids were homeschooled. She was going crazy. And now she's fucking one of the top pack hikers slash dog trainers in the Midwest. And she's pulling in crazy cash. She's, it's not always about the money, but she's pulling in crazy cash and she's able to have a life that affords her to the things she really wants to do. And she's massively into mother earth. She's a fucking hippie. I love her to death. Um, but that's not the point. The point is, it's like when we have all these self-limited beliefs and when I'm able to start cracking them and crafting strategies around them to start moving you all into places of just amazement and opportunity and wonderment, it's it just makes my heart so fucking happy. Now, one thing I do want to recognize and say is I do use a lot of money references. And if you have any money mindset issues, this is going to be really hard for you to swallow because the results that my clients have, the results that I've had isn't, isn't typical. Like the shit you see and I talk about, it's almost unbelievable because the stuff that people have to go through and allow this and the way you have to start shifting your mind around sales, like sales is fucking huge. Sales is massive. Sales is life-changing. I fucking flew to Australia to learn sales and I paid a Gentlemen, <laughs> I love him to death and he's still a friend of mine. Um, a lot of fucking money to teach me sales because sales is life changing. But when we start changing our shit around that and we start doing the work and really understanding that, you know, money's not, you know, connecting with people isn't scary. It's not just about the dogs. It's not just about the dogs, it's the connections with their owners. That's where things start changing. And that's why the results are fucking atypical. That's why, you know, I work in depth with my clients so much because they get the fucking results that they deserve and they believe in themselves. It's just a beautiful thing. So one thing I am going to, you know, have an open mind when you listen to what I talk about, have an open mind when I talk about the numbers, because, you know, it's not just about, you know, the sales or just about, you know, the events and the things that go along, but it's like having that unrelenting self-belief and being unapologetic about what you deserve as a professional. All right. So yeah, so that's, that's about it. Oh, in sales, I'm going to actually add one other thing in too. One thing I'm going to probably be giving you a lot of stuff around sales. And one thing I'm never going to tell you, and I never want you to think this way because I hate when other business coaches say that. It's like, oh, sell without feeling slimy, sell feeling good. Guys, sales isn't something to have a um, an emotional response to. Sales, the way I teach sales, the way I teach marketing is to have a connection, a motherfucking connection. That's why, you know, on any one day, I can 
for dog training on any one day I can get on the phone with um, dog training prospect clients, not just my you know consulting clients, but dog training prospect clients in close 50, 60, 70 K. You're probably like, what? Because I'm able to have a connection and I don't feel like sales is slimy. I don't feel like sales is gross where I like, oh, I don't want to be a used car salesman. Because if you have that mindset of sales is gross or whatever, you are legit, 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 legit holding yourself back. And it's just, it drives me insane when I hear other people talking about it because sales is the best form of personal development and it's got me to where I'm at. Wow. That was a lot. So if you're still here with me, that is fucking awesome. And I truly appreciate it. So like I said, um, these, uh, these types of episodes are going to be far and few between because I, I don't like talking about myself, even though it sounds like I have some confidence. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, and if you are interested in actually connecting with me at some point, feel free to go to my website, www.thekristenlee.com. Um, if you go on to work with Kristen Lee, there's an application form for you to fill out. The, again, the reason why I don't have like open enrollments in my masterminds or my courses or my coaching is I'm very selective with who I, I choose to work with because the the services I provide are so life altering and it requires a level of commitment that the majority of people aren't really ready for. They might think they're ready for, but if you are, reach out to me, go onto my website, shoot me, um, shoot me a note in my application there. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to connect with you. And before you ask for my references, go to my fucking Facebook page. You'll see real screenshots. You'll see, um, you'll see other testimonials out there. You can go to my website too. Look on praise. Those are some real peeps out there, but yeah. Anyway. All right. So I will talk to you guys later to the next time. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey there. Thank you for listening to another badass episode of mind your own dog business. If you haven't already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Oh my God, go and subscribe now. So you don't miss out on any of our content packed dog business jam sessions, plus special offers that I'm going to only be sharing with my amazing dog business entrepreneurial podcast listeners. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a five-star kick-ass review so more amazing dog business owners just like yourself can find us and start to transform and disrupt their businesses and their lives unapologetically. And if you feel so inclined, feel free to tag me on Instagram with a screenshot of this episode and holler at your girl. I'm at dogwalkercoach. You can find me, dogwalkercoach, and I'll pop up and I'll give you a special shout out. All right, guys, till next time. Bye.